swag after him, boss. And welcome to another episode of the Sotoyo and Geek Podcast by Webster Style, where we talk about bow ties, comic books, everything in between. I'm your host, Webster Style, the man, the voice, the fragrance. Coming back one more time, and of course, let's jump right into the download. Now, if you follow me on the NRW checkpoint, you will know that there have been or has been no shortage of game releases over the past few weeks. And surprisingly, we went from a full flood to this week being a trickle with only two games being released. And one of those games is actually our download for the week because it's, it's an oldie but a goodie. In this case, it is Star Wars The Force Unleashed. Now, this game is finally coming to the Switch. And if you're not familiar with this game, this is one of those Star Wars games that LucasArts did before the Disney acquisition, if I remember correctly. It may have come out a little bit afterwards. I'm not entirely sure if I remember, but it came out in the 360 PS3 era of gaming. And you essentially play a secret apprentice of Darth Vader. And you are going around basically doing Darth Vader's bidding. Now, of course, you encounter both the light side of the force and the dark side of the force with regards to the Sith and the rebels, because you are out fulfilling Darth Vader's wishes and agenda, regardless against whom you're fighting against. Now, one of the things about this game that many people loved is that you had access to your force powers right away. With many Star Wars games at the time, you had to sort of unlock those force powers. And let's be frank, you want to rip and run through a Star Wars action game. You want to shoot lightning bolts. You want to pick people up. You want to crash things into people. You want lightsaber battles. You want all those things up front. And this game delivered that right out of the box. It is one of those games where we, as Star Wars fans, really love the fact that it gave us everything we wanted right off the bat. And with that, had motion capture from Sam Witter, or Witwer, I forget how you pronounce his name, who many of us in the genre know from his time with Smallville's playing Doomsday to the remake of Being Human to the even just that zombie in a tank on the walking dead in the first season uh he is well known in the genre and he did an excellent job uh with his voice acting and motion capture in this game so if you have not played this game definitely pick it up for the switch if you haven't already you have a switch if not i know it is backwards compatible on the xbox series platform and actually i believe is part of ea play so you should be able to play it if you have Game Pass. I am not too sure about backwards compatibility with the PS4 and 5, but I wouldn't doubt that they'd be available somehow. So check it out, Star Wars The Force Unleashed. Now let's get into our spotlight. No gentleman spotlight, no podcast spotlight. Well, I guess it sort of is a podcast spotlight. I'm spotlighting the Geek Show, and that's G-E-A-K show. Uh, I found this by way of my interactions on Quirk Chat with the proprietor Quentin. He and I have exchanged quirks and messages and he is a fun guy and just to discover that he has this whole platform uh, dedicated just to uh, geekery is just so fun. He brings such excitement and enthusiasm to all the subjects that he talks about. So it is definitely a pleasure to not only just watch his brand and watch his evolution on YouTube, but also on other platforms as well from where it be Quirk Chat, whether it be TikTok, 
it's just fun to watch and also just the insight and the banter that happens with various subject matters with regards to the blurred world. He is certainly one that is engaging and infectious to watch because you just feel that enthusiasm and that excitement from his subjects and he just makes you want to continue to watch to see what he has to say so i will definitely say check out the geek show uh you'll find that youtube link here as well as the link to his tiktok page also and if you have not downloaded quirk chat and you're of that uh persuasion as far as that all around geekery definitely download quirk chat as well many 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 wonderful individuals they have all sort of backgrounds just really there to express their loves for their various fandoms but that's quirk chat which i've featured before then in this case definitely check out the geek show and that's g-e-a-k show check it out now this week as we are approaching the impending release of doctor strange and the multiverse of madness in the next two weeks marvel dropped a teaser trailer for thor love and thunder and it is wrapped in the same cheeky 80s vibe goodness of Taika Waititi and what he did with Thor Ragnarok. The trailer just looked so fun. And also getting to see some snippets of what's going on in this world as Thor is now trying to find his way after the events of Endgame. Uh, Valkyrie is now the queen king whatever of new Asgard and how that weight seems to be weighing heavy on her head as far as being the one in charge to make the decisions and also to see Jane Foster show up at the end as Lady Thor whatever they're calling her and some curious bits that Molinier is cracked so I wonder how that plays into the whole storyline as well uh, this is a storyline in the comics that I am not that familiar with I haven't read or didn't read any of the Lady Thor stuff that came out a few years back that they're adapting some of this from. So I'm very interested to see what really leads to all of this and how things play out, not just for this movie itself, but for the MCU as a whole. But I'm excited for Thor Love and Thunder. Uh, with that and Doctor Strange coming out, I think that Marvel is set up for another banner year, especially considering not saying this is necessarily a, a representatory of what's going on, but DC is having issues with his film slate and its stars. So I think that for a quality uh, comic book superhero fantasy movies, I think Marvel is just really shooting on all cylinders right now. And I'm pretty sure what this is, Thor Love and Thunder teaser. That means that probably in the next three months or so, we're going to get that first teaser trailer for black panther wakanda forever so marvel just hitting it out the park and i can't wait to see how this shapes up next on the short takes it isn't a trailer but just a bit of news that i read the other day that has me super duper excited i have always been a fan of the streets of rage series uh, they originally came out on genesis and have played the heck out of streets of rage 4 over the past year or so since it was released and now According to news reports, the creator of the John Wick movies is now writing a script for a film adaptation, big screen, big budget 
film adaptation of Streets of Rage. And I am super excited because there's so many plot points, so many characters they can really utilize within this movie. And not just that, if the John Wick pedigree is any indication, the action scenes, if and when this movie actually gets made, are going to be fantastic. So I'm really excited about that. That just that just whets my appetite i feel as though there aren't a lot of uh, good action movies now now i think a lot of it has to do with the pandemic and that film studios are just starting to roll out films on a wide release a constant release nowadays and i think we're probably going to see that change but right now it just feels as though that this sort of action movie there's a whole from the pandemic that desperately needs to be filled so that's my take on streets of rage movie possibly coming out from john wick's creator now heading back over to the marvel world let's talk about moon knight episode four i will tell you and this is maybe a bit of a a blasphemic statement but for the most part the episode was so so I, i thought that the action everything it was good it just I don't know. There was something about the story and especially about the increased focus on Layla um, in this story that just didn't captivate me or engage me as much as some of the previous episodes. It wasn't until the end when we went to that sort of I don't know if it's a dream sequence. I don't know what what's going on. That's part of where I was drawn back into the episode because I just don't know what happened after Mark's last evening was shot and this whole psychiatric ward thing and him releasing his other personalities from these uh, sarcophagi, I think that's pronounced proper. I don't know. Plural of sarcophagus. I don't know. Let me know. And then with the Egyptian god, the hippo that they see at the end in that high pitched voice, it was it was hilarity. But also I'm like, I am intrigued. What is going on? And I'm not that big of a student of Egypt. Egyptian mythology and knowing all of the gods I know you know Ra and all you know some of those common ones but I'm not that well versed so I'm interested in getting more of the explanation and with this only being the fourth episode that just means there are only two episodes left to really explain all of this and come to a, a resolution to see what will happen because right now the villain looks like he is on the cusp of releasing this god that's going to kill everybody who has any sort of root of evil which again is probably worse than what Thanos did excuse me Thanos did so I'm just really excited to see how things really wrap up and especially with the news that uh, potentially there is no season two of Moon Knight uh, that Oscar Isaac is only signed on just for this which I highly doubt I, I think those reports of BS as far as he's only signed on for the series I am interested to see how they wrap things up. And more importantly, much like uh, Thor 11 Thunder, how this plays into the MCU going forward. Uh, a lot of talk of Marvel Knights, a lot of talk of uh, Werewolf by Night and then implications in Blade uh, going forward. So I'm very interested to see how this, if it does, set up that dark side uh, of Marvel or the MCU going forward. And one of the things I like about a potential dark side is that it could be a whole separate aspect 
of the Marvel Universe that never intersects with the MCU proper, the big budget, the big bonanza, supervillain sort of thing that we are getting and we have gotten, much like the Defenders, and even whether it's canon or not canon, they are very street-level heroes where you don't have to have them interacting with the main MCU and while there's a plausibility and there's continued questions as far as whether or not it's canon it can really go in its own lane and only cross over when need to and that's one of the things I love about this these different aspects of the MCU and how it's grown and branched out over time speaking of another property that I love so much Halo let me tell you I will say this again if you are a not even a Halo fan if you are a fan of good sci-fi television you should be watching Halo. Halo is a series that definitely checks all of the boxes when it comes to good sci-fi storytelling. And for me, I'm getting more and more involved in that political intrigue and deception um, and the secrets of what happened to John. How was John and the other Spartans for that matter, how were they recruited, quote unquote, into the Spartan program by Halsey. Uh, what does uh, Halsey and I forget her baby daddy's name, and I really forget, that's, that's bad. Uh, the secrets that they're hiding about the program. And I am really, really, and I'll say this again and I'll keep saying this, I am really glad they took the decision or made the decision to one, set all of these things before the fall of Reach. Because I feel like with Reach and once that happens, it doesn't give them a lot of wiggle room as far as story is concerned based on the games and all the other multimedia properties that have happened in Halo to tell the story. So a lot of that should be an adaption, maybe not a little adaption, but a very good adaptation of that medium, which has come out after that. But before Reach, I feel like they have so much wiggle room and they are utilizing that because all of these things can happen. All these things right now are variously or drastically different from what we know of the world of halo before reach but after reach that was like the kumbaya coming together moment of earth of all of the unsc and all of the human uh, populations out in the galaxy that brought everybody together to fight a common enemy instead of fighting against themselves right now the covenant are just boogeyman that only some people have seen that the unsc is fighting and those in the outer territories are not as worried about but when reach falls eventually spoilers to some extent but when reach does ultimately fall that brings everybody together so all of this sort of sectarian squabbling especially with the quan i hate quan's character i'll put it to you that way uh quan is an uh, impet a petulant child literally who just is on his idealistic sort of run with this as far as saving her people and they're like it's just her and i understand how that works in many stories but knowing how things happen all of her angst all of her determination has only gotten her family killed and will mean nothing once reach falls so that's what really burns me up about her character and her storyline but i do like the fact that her storyline is giving Soren, even though Soren's a new character, time to shine. Let me tell you, Bokeem Woodbine, he's like the same dude in every show, but he's still different. And he just chews up every scene that he's in, and I absolutely love it. I love the 
interaction between the Spartans. I, I love, and again, I forget her name, the one who took her emotion pull out. I love seeing the effects of on her in the battle sequence. I love Chief losing his grip. I do love the extra added humanity to the Spartans, which is something you don't see necessarily in the game. Maybe more so in Halo 5 with Locke and those groups of Spartans. You saw a bit more of the humanity of the Spartans. Uh, they weren't cold emotionless human robots as they've been picked before even in reach halo reach game you saw a lot of that humanity as well so i'm really loving this i i don't know how many episodes of, of halo there are um in this series i'm assuming it's 10 that's the standard so we're on episode 5 so we are realistically maybe halfway through i am excited to see how this ends i'm i'm wondering if this will end with the fall of reach or if this will end just literally with them finding the halo and what the halo is uh, and then maybe the fall of reach will be a cliffhanger which will be explored uh, next season so i'm excited about halo every single week i cannot wait to tune in i mean i'm enjoying halo moon moon night right now and way more than picard and we'll get into that a little bit later but yeah if you're not watching halo you definitely should be watching halo all right, that's it for now. When we come back, we'll be talking about uh, Picard, ah, Picard season two, episode eight, Sotoyo Slice, and of course, the fragrance of the week. All right, so now let's talk about Picard. I am really having a love hate relationship with this series because so far we are two seasons in and with each of these two seasons I feel as though it starts off good I like where the story is going and then it just gets so contrived and please can we get Picard away from the Borg there are seven seasons of the next generation and yes, I understand his being Lacutus. It's touched on quite a lot after Best of Both Worlds. But why does everything have to revolve around the damn Borg? It, it, when you have a series that's just about Picard, it becomes very predictable in that regard. And that's one of the things I'm really disliking about this series, particularly this season, with the introduction of the board queen i didn't know exactly where it was going to go but once you saw her interaction with agnes you knew where it was going to go and now after episode eight you see that she is trying to pretty much take over the earth assimilate the earth she's going to dupe soon into helping her because he wants to be this grand person to save the planet not knowing his dumb behind is about to help a boy queen basically assimilate the earth much like what we saw with the boy going back in time in first contact they're trying to do the same thing here i didn't think about it this is a more detailed rehash of the plot of first contact with the boy queen trying to assimilate the earth in this case you see the evolution of a new boy queen as the boy queen consciousness is taking over jirati and having any batteries and, and crap like that in order to the nanotechnology that is there and then at the end you see her as an Agnes starting the process of assimilating uh, these hired military guns that are now going to go and take the ship uh, from Picard and company and when that ended when the show ended in that way it just it really got on my nerves 
they are breaking the temporal time directive ridiculously and i didn't even care about the character development with uh ravi and seven which was which is always good they write them very well uh i am with um and i forget the dude's name i don't know why uh i just call him ramos i know it's not his name and his interaction with the doctor and her son i'm thinking i'm screaming the whole time in my head why are they on the ship they're so killing the timeline even if the if the europa mission does go forward like their future is drastically changed and now you have these hired assassins uh that are now being assimilated by the borg what about their bloodlines i'm like oh it's it's such a CF, and I'm so upset and disappointed in this series. And more and more with the announcement of all of the original Next Generation cast for season three, it sounds like, hey, this is the last season. We finally going to give you all what you want. And I don't know how they come back from this as far as the story is concerned. Nothing is going to be the same as it was. It can't be. Like, logistically, whatever future they go back to cannot be the same. It's another timeline. Um than the one that we know of uh, for the prime timeline as it is going forward. Uh, this series has disappointed me and it continues to disappoint me with every episode as we go forward. I I am not saying it's easy to write a series. I'm not saying it's easy to write a series with characters that people have loved for literally a generation. However, they have miserably dropped the ball for two seasons in a row now and I will continue to watch this series because I love Star Trek I love Patrick Stewart I I even thought the Guinan character her portrayal redeemed a lot of my dislike for her and her portrayal of that character early on in the series like there were some good spots in this episode but overall it just felt flat this, this story that they're telling is really now rushed it's episode 8 of 10 so you have a whole lot going on in episodes 9 and 10 and this is that's where it really fell flat last year and it got stupid and just so many plot holes in those last two episodes of season one i feel like we're in a repeat of or we're in for a repeat of the same with season two and how this is going to end so i will watch it i will continue to watch it uh the one bright note is that at least hopefully bright note strange new worlds debuts in two weeks and i have so many high hopes for that series and i hope i'm not disappointed because i just want some classic trek and what they're giving us with picard just isn't it it it's standard sci-fi talk about halo and how Halo's good sci-fi and it has a lot of those things that we love about sci- good sci-fi halo reminds me as far as the writing and the political intrigue it reminds me a lot of what made the battlestar galactic remake great not in that same vein but i get shades of that and that character development and how the characters are interacted, inter, um, interconnected, excuse me. With Picard, I feel like many of the characters are very one-dimensional who they are. You have growth as far as their interpersonal relationships, but these characters are who they are. There are no real changes from the first season uh, with these characters. And the only character that they had any kind of means or reasons to grow with was Elno and they killed them off in season two excuse me episode two of the season so i am this is just not good in my opinion it is not good star trek it is not good sci-fi it's i hate to harp on it so much but there are just there's so much good there and they just continue to squander it i i hope that season three which i will watch is just so much better than what they've given of season one and season two especially with the characters they have to work with uh, I am looking forward to that and I will watch it till this end because I Next Generation is my favorite truck. 
I honestly hope that we can see maybe some of the uh, DS9 uh, characters pop up in season three because this is that only form into that prime universe of star trek in in that time period of gen next gen voyager we already have with seven or nine and i know uh that prodigy is going on the same with uh lower decks and i unfortunately i haven't gotten a chance to watch either one of those yet but from a live action standpoint this is the only one so i am hoping that season three they tie up a lot of loose ends and give I hope it's fan service. I, I really hope it's fan service because so far seasons one and two have tried to do something new. They failed miserably uh, with the execution of all of that. So I that's my opinion on Picard and I will continue to watch it. But if you check out, I totally understand because you're not missing much, especially with season three coming on the horizon. Now, moving away from Star Trek and all of our reviews for the day, let's get into some style with the Sotoyo Slice. Now, this is something that I saw that I often thought about, but I never really communicate. Many people ask, well, many guys ask, like, what sort of suit you should buy? I saw a clip from Steve Harvey where he talked about uh, more or less five different suits, basically how to create an interchangeable wardrobe with less. So I wanted to distill that down just a little bit, actually quite a lot. And if you're out there and you're trying to figure out, okay, I need to buy a suit. I don't have a lot of suits or any suits. What is the first suit that I need to buy? And I would suggest the first suit that you need to buy is a navy suit, like a darker navy blue suit. Why a navy blue suit instead of a black suit? Well, first and foremost, the navy suit is going to offer you a bit more interchangeability uh, between casual as well as your more business attire. Uh, with that, the a blue blazer, your navy jacket, your blazer, not the same thing, but you get the idea, uh, can be very interchangeable uh, between casual business, casual and business. Not so much for black tie. Um, also, it's good for job interviews. You can get away with wearing a navy suit at a funeral, at a wedding. It just goes in so many different venues and occasions compared to a black suit maybe a bit more macabre uh, for some events uh, it doesn't offer you the flexibility especially as far as the interchangeability of the uh, pants and the jacket that accompanies the black suit as well and also the navy just gives you a little bit of color uh, to play on so many things go well with navy and just offers that pop whereas with a black suit while they may stand out it's such a contrast between the black and say a brighter color or anything else really for that matter with the navy you get more blending and melding than just the straight contrast of a black suit so that's what i suggest if you're looking to buy a suit and you don't have one in your wardrobe already the navy suit is going to be your best bet because of the interchangeability as well as the method or the accessibility of coordination it just offers you many different options that you would not find with many other colors of suit off the bat and now it's time for the fragrance of the week and this one comes from the house of Kimberly, new york and it's called indigo love now with this one you can find top notes of honeysuckle blossom hard notes of sweet tangerine and base notes of lemon italian ice this one is as sweet as it sounds. In my opinion, it's very unisex, but it is an absolutely wonderful fragrance to wear 
for the summertime. It's not overly masculine, not really feminine. It's just really sweet. It's a great light gourmand fragrance and one that I think is really adaptable to the summer heat. Uh, you're going to find this one in various sizes, but I'm going to highlight the 50 ml bottles and then EDP concentration for just $75. And if you heard my me talk about Kimberly fragrance before, the fragrances are top notch and you definitely get every penny of what you pay for with the quality of these fragrances. Now moving past Star Trek Picard, let's get into our fragrance of the week. And this week we have another gem from the house of Kimberly, New York. In this case, it is Indigo Love. With Indigo Love, you're going to find top notes of honeysuckle blossom, heart notes of sweet tangerine, and base notes of lemon Italian ice. This is a perfect little sweet gourmandish fragrance for the summertime. It's sweet. It can be very unisex, but oh man, for the summer, this is just going to be unbeatable for the weather. It's fun. It's flirty. It's just so light. It's really great for just something to throw on and smell good in the heat. You can pick up a bottle of this one. They have various sizes, but I'm highlighting the 50 ml bottle for just the low price of $75. Now, speaking of other fragrances that are great for the summertime and the spring, today I'm wearing Reaction by Kenneth Cole. With this one, you're going to find top notes of apple, grapefruit, and mandarin orange, middle notes of lily of the valley and watermelon, and then base notes of musk, patchouli, and sandalwood. This, for some reason, reminds me of Nautica Voyage, at least from the opening. Not so much in the bass and in the heart notes, but definitely with the opening, I get that Nautica Voyage vibe. It's a great, inexpensive fragrance for the summertime, for the heat, and I really get the masculineness that comes from the musk and the patchouli and the sandalwood in the bass. It's really one that, if you are looking for something that's relatively inexpensive, and something that's just an easy reach for the summertime, this is definitely one that you should get. And that's Reaction by Kenneth Cole. Speaking of fragrances, let's talk again about our sponsor, Pete and Pedro. They may be known for their hair care products, but they oft also have a wonderful line of inspired fragrances to choose from. Their line includes four fragrances, Villain, which is inspired by Tom Ford's Tobacco Vanilla, King, which is inspired by Creed's Green Irish Tweed. Rebel, which is inspired by Creed Aventus. Hero, which is inspired by Aqua de Jo. Now, all of these are in a 50 ml EDP bottle for just a low, low price of $49. That is an unbeatable price for high quality fragrances like these. And coupled with that unbelievably low price, you can also use the discount code EHAWKS10 or the link in the show notes for 10% off of your first purchase. So that's Pete and Pedro. Use the code EHAWKS10 for 10% off your first purchase. Now to all my gamers out there, don't forget to check me and Brian Saf out every single week at Nerds Rule the World YouTube channel with the NRW Checkpoint where we go through the week's releases in video games and try to hit all the hot button news of the day when it comes to gaming you can find us there every single week again you can find me on social media at Webster Style and Sotoyo Geek on Instagram 
On Twitter, you can find me at Webster Style. And on TikTok, you can find me at underscore Webster Style. Of course, check us out on our website, WebsterStyle.com. And if there are any emails, questions, anything you want to know about the site, feel free to drop me an email at info at WebsterStyleMagazine.com. Thank you as always for joining me. And remember, stay safe out there and be blessed. When it comes to the killing spree, aka that's an ensemble. Are you the enemy if you're not defending the presence of Millie in the vicinity without a bow tie? Okay, I might have went over the edge. Besides, I really let them clothes on them legs and thighs. Need to get strong, we can lift them to the sky. The party starts to twirl. We got a little time, time, time to get it on. And on fact, I'm the type of person on. And after that, take a picture with the phone of the outfit. Admit I'm choosing what we on. Tree Green Tuesday had to be Bowtie Thursday. Had to be White Wednesday. Uh, I don't. Well, I know last time. Well, I wore polka dot. You didn't. Wear, oh, I miss million them heels killing them, but I'm sure it's a Thursday. Bowtie Thursday. Pasta cream in your heels, looking sharp. Bay acting like you don't know the rules up in the workplace. Must I remind you it was till on your birthday? Don't get me wrong, I think we killed in the birthdays. And you picked the hell of fit for the church day. Let's say you picked the risk game for it. Kill it. Now you got the floor filled with bras that you purchase. Pick a color scheme that can match the very corset.